We are going to talk with Jackson Prosco about this. He, of course, is Global Washington's uh, bureau chief. And uh, let's just like play a little bit of Trump and what he said first. The United States has great strength and patience. But if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. What? Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. The United States is ready, willing, and able. But hopefully, this will not be necessary. Yeah, uh, you can say that again. Uh, Kim Jong-un, he's describing him as Rocket Man. No sooner did he do that. But the world on social media decides to come up with memes. You know, uh, it's just, you know, Kim Jong-un with, uh, you know, Elton John hair and Elton John glasses sitting at a piano playing Rocket Man, you know, in the in the old 1970s outfit. We're joined now, of course, by uh, Jackson Prosco, who I am dying to find out exactly what went down, because I believe he was and he might still be at the United Nations. Chris is just talking to him uh, off the air right now. Jackson, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Hi, Kelly. Great to be with you. Wow, wow, wow. What a last couple of days for you. I'm telling you, you are going to be... Um, talking about the time you spent in Washington for years to come, because it has just been this whole Trump circus keeps getting weirder and weirder, weirder. You are right now at the United Nations, correct? That's right. Okay, so this is the first time Trump has spoken to the United Nations since he became uh, president of the United States, correct? That's right as well. How do you think it went? <laughs> well, it was uh, it was interesting. I mean, I think he kind of upended a lot of expectations and kind of uh, threw away the norms, if you will, of what people expect to hear from an American president at the United Nations. But do you think, uh, you know, Trump can throw away a norm? Because I think no one knows what to expect with this man. Well, I think it's interesting that he delivered a speech that seemed more targeted at his base than it was really targeted at the other world leaders who were gathered in the room. Uh, if you watch the faces of those foreign delegations as they were listening to Trump, they were sort of sitting there stone-faced, not really sure how to respond to what was being said in front of them. I hear there were loud murmurs. What was the reaction from the leaders at the U.N. when he basically said that uh, he called Kim Jong-un rocket man and he said he's on a suicide mission? Yeah, there was definitely kind of uh, hushed gasps, if you will, in the room. Uh, I think a lot of people were caught off guard by that language. And there were a few times throughout Trump's speech where he sort of paused for applause in theory, and that applause never came there. And he was sort of left sort of standing there waiting. And then finally, uh, if it's possible for applause to sound confused, that's kind of what we got at a few moments throughout the speech today. Is this um, a Trumpism or is it a plan? What are you thinking? I mean, because people said it sounded like he was kind of on a script and not so off script, even though what he said was uh, incredible. It was definitely on script, and it certainly had the touches of those uh, who worked closely with him in the White House that we've heard draft his major speeches before. And then you had the Trumpisms that were thrown in there, like Rocket Man as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think anybody's surprised that he stuck with the teleprompter today, but I think what everyone's watching for is how he handles the next few days, because he's got these nonstop back-to-back face-to-face meetings with world leaders. During those, you tend to get the photo ops where reporters are shouting questions, and those are the unscripted moments where Trump risks contradicting himself and contradicting what he said when he spoke from the lecturing this morning. I understand he also went after the United Nations and how they do things. Uh, let's have a little listen to exactly what I'm talking about. Here it is. It is a massive source of embarrassment to the United Nations that some governments with egregious human rights records sit on the U.N. 
Human Rights Council. How is uh, how did that go over? Well, I think generally speaking, he does actually have support for his efforts to reform the U.N. This is something he was at the U.N. yesterday speaking about and the new secretary general is on board with. It's sort of an idea of rethinking the way the U.N. does things uh, in Trump terms, getting more bang for the buck as well. So generally speaking, there is an appetite for reforming some of the ways the U.N. does things. uh, And his criticism of the agency isn't necessarily falling on deaf ears. The timing of what he said was really interesting because, you know, it really ups his game. You know, we'll have no choice but then to totally destroy North Korea unless Rocket Man kind of uh, steps down first and stops what he's doing. I mean, I'm paraphrasing there because it was is it was even more shocking than what I just said. But um, can we speak to the timing? Because yesterday uh, it seemed that things were heating up with regards to this uh, New York Times Times article uh, and it revolves around the Mueller investigation and the fact that Mueller now intends to indict his uh, friend, Paul Manafort, who ran the campaign for a while, the Trump campaign. Yeah, or at least Manafort was told to expect that he might be indicted. It's not clear that that means that an indictment is coming. It could have just been sort of a tactic by Mueller and his team to essentially uh, convince Manafort to cooperate with them. We don't know that, uh, and we don't know how long ago that sort of threat was leveled against uh, Paul Manafort. Yeah, I think it was actually leveled against him July when the federal agents went in for this this search warrant. They basically were told that they could pick the lock on his front door, raided his Virginia home. When they knocked on his door, it was the bedroom door we're finding out that they they knocked on now because he was sleeping. They woke him up. And the only reason why the FBI would get the uh, the warrant to pick the lock and get into this guy's house is because they really did put forth some evidence that said Mr. Manafort will destroy evidence if we don't go in like this. It, It seems to be a big warning here that Mueller is uh, getting serious about this investigation and uh, and they're looking at Mr. Manafort very seriously. He's under investigation for po- possible violations of tax laws and money laundering. I'm also hearing about um, the fact that he was wired not once but twice by the uh, FBI and now Trump's base is spinning it today saying, well, uh, of course, Trump was right again. There were t- he was there he was a wi- wiretapped uh, by Obama, which really isn't the case. But you know they'll spin it any way they want to. I just wonder, you know, today him saying what he did at the UN, how much that would you know distract from what's going on right now with regards to the uh, the Mueller investigation. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think that his tone or what he said today was influenced by the Russia probe and where it's headed in recent days. I think that kind of language was already planned out and uh, it was sort of long intended by Trump to signal his intentions as the America first president in front of the United Nations. So I wouldn't necessarily say that that in any way shaped what he said today. Uh, But it is curious that the two sort of stories have been competing for attention today. And Trump seemed to draw the focus back to himself and away from Manafort with his strong language. Yeah. What is drawing the most chatter at the U.N. today? Is it the the language? I mean, he didn't really leave anyone out. He went through everyone. He, He 41 minutes speech. He took aim at Iran. He took aim at Venezuela. He took aim at uh, Islamic extremists. What is uh, being talked about the most? And the Cuban government. I left them out. Yeah, I think it's just really how frank his tone was. The fact that he didn't hold back, uh, the fact that he openly talked about destroying North Korea. And when you put that in context, of course, uh, the, the argument made by the North Korean government and in his propaganda to its own people has always been that the U.S. wants to destroy them. So he sort mm-hmm. of 
feeding that beast. Uh, Iran is upset and essentially saying he can't trust the word of the United States anymore uh, now that you have the president essentially openly musing about ripping up the Iran nuclear deal. So there's a number of fires here that may have to be put out by the administration in the coming weeks. Uh, and that said, just as many, you know, as many of those uh, delegations were sitting stone-faced in the chamber today, you did have some uh, happy campers, if you want to use some non-diplomatic language, such as Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was sitting there with a big smile on his face as Trump was using this very harsh language about Israel. So it really seemed to be all about playing to specific audiences today. And uh, in that sense, I don't think Trump was looking to win over everybody in the room. He was certainly just looking over to win over a certain subset of the room. What's the damage control if you're in the White House? Is it, well, this guy's, you know, he's a blowhard. He's, he's kind of nutty. Don't worry. It's all good. Is that what you have to do as far as a diplomacy later on to, you know, sweep up the mess? Is it actually easier than it would be if someone who was normally very diplomatic slipped up and said something to have Trump just, you know, saying whatever he wants about anyone? Well, it sort of seems to be the impression that's given is that Trump will say one thing and then you sort of have a cleanup crew that comes in and quietly works behind the scenes so as not to contradict him publicly, but to reassure the people who have been spoken about that uh, maybe the reality of the situation isn't as uh, extreme as the rhetoric might suggest. So I think that's sort of where we're at right now with a number of these situations. That said, though, North Korea, I think the language from Trump actually matches the reality of the U.S. strategy here, which is they're very frustrated. They feel like they're running out of options, mm-hmm. and they're putting all their options on the table right now. And uh, they seem to prefer to use the U.N. as a vehicle for, for coming up with some sort of resolution to what's going on in North Korea. Well, Japan's got to be nervous today. I would think so, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of allies in the region are nervous. Uh, again, not just because of what Trump said and the fact that it feeds into the North Korean rhetoric, but also the fact that a lot of experts will say they still don't have a broad understanding of how uh, American rhetoric is actually interpreted and received inside North Korea. And, uh, you know, whether North Korean leadership can sort of read between the lines here or if they're taking things really literally or see this as an escalation. Well, I guess it'll be an interesting next couple of days. We'll see how many uh, other messages we get via Twitter feed from the president of the United States and how uh, North Korea reacts to it, um, you know, on their own. I really appreciate you joining us. It's uh, It's been an interesting day, Jackson. It has been, and I'm sure we'll have a few more interesting ones before this is all over. All right. We look forward to talking to you. That sounds very ominous, before this is all over. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. All right. Have a great day. Jackson Prosco is uh, Global's Washington bureau chief. He is at the U.N. right and now, where uh, Trump was talking tough today, 41 minutes. He basically didn't leave any nation out as he chastised the world and the U.N. in some situations. It's interesting.